Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. We made it to Wednesday. It's January 27th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's what you need to know today. Why a procedural Senate vote yesterday really matters for the upcoming impeachment trial. Plus, Melinda Gates on how to help women get through this pandemic. But first, remote work's big tax mess is today's one big thing. If you're so organized that you're ready to file your taxes now, wait. Because of the pandemic, the IRS will start accepting returns on February 12th, two weeks later than usual. And for the rest of us, say podcast hosts who lived and worked in three different states during the pandemic, listen up, because this could get pretty messy. As Exios business journalist Erica Pandy has been reporting, that's especially true for those of us working remotely, where the tax implications get complicated, whether we're talking about people, companies, or cities and states. Erica, without a pandemic, for people who work in one state but live in another, what do their taxes normally look like? As you and I know, this is a very common thing. It happens in Massachusetts and New Hampshire. It happens with New Jersey and New York. And these states have worked out a system. You're typically paying taxes where the actual work is happening. So if you're a New Hampshire resident and you're working in Massachusetts and commuting into Massachusetts to your desk, you're paying income taxes to Massachusetts. But now you've been spending all year working from home And the states are kind of in a tiff over, okay, so who actually gets that income tax revenue? Have we figured that out? We haven't. So, you know, New Hampshire versus Massachusetts is a real case that the Supreme Court is discussing right now. Massachusetts says that you should still pay us income tax for the days that you would have come into the office if there wasn't a pandemic. And New Hampshire is saying, wait a minute, this is all work that happened outside of your state lines. Who are you to say that our residents should pay you tax money? What about people who left, like people who went back to their parents' house to work? Right. That's a huge issue as well. I mean, you've got people who are New York investment bankers who went off to Florida for the year, and Florida doesn't have an income tax. So that hasn't been worked out at all either yet. And tax advisors don't really know what to tell their clients who are filing right now. So people can expect to think of themselves as professional baseball players, right? Just like they play games in all kinds of different states and have W-2s for all of those states. If you've been living all over the place, you can expect to be filing all over the place. Erica Pandy writes the At Work newsletter for Axios. Thanks, Erica. Thanks, Nyla, and happy tax season. We'll be back in 15 seconds with the significance of one Senate procedural vote that happened yesterday. Welcome back to Axios Today. Forty-five Senate Republicans voted yesterday to dismiss former President Trump's impeachment trial. While this was a procedural vote, it might be a big clue as to how the actual trial vote will turn out. Kadia Goba is an Axios congressional reporter who co-writes the Sneak Peek newsletter, and I caught up with her after the vote yesterday. Kadia, why is this such a big clue? So what happened today is Rand Paul from Kentucky posed a point of order. And basically, the point of order was to hold a vote on the constitutionality of the impeachment, because some are suggesting that it's not constitutional because Trump is no longer in office. Only five Republicans sided with Democrats on this. So this will give you a really good take as to who we should look at during the impeachment trial, who will vote for a conviction and who won't vote for conviction. Who were those five, Kadia? 
Some of your usual suspects, you had Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, Ben Sass, Toomey, and Murkowski. And at least three of them have always been on the fence. We all know that Romney is a staunch critic of the president, and he's <laughs> the lone senator that voted for impeachment during the 2019 impeachment. Why do you think this procedural vote then matters? It's just a real good indicator, a precursor to see what we're going to look for during the February trial. It also got a lot of people on record. We should pay attention the next two weeks how they are targeted by other Republicans and ultimately by the past president and people from his past administration. Kadia Goba is one of the co-writers of the Sneak Peek newsletter. Thanks, Kadia. Thank you. With vaccines rolling out, there's a lot of optimism about this being a turning point in the pandemic. That's what Bill and Melinda Gates wrote in their annual letter from the Gates Foundation, which so far has invested $1.75 billion towards fighting COVID-19. Melinda Gates has been a huge advocate for women who we now know have been disproportionately affected by the pandemic. How? We'll take this one stat. 2.1 million women have dropped out of the labor force entirely since last February. That's 20 percent more than the number of men who've left the workforce. She's also advocating for a more equitable response when it comes to people of color. That's the theme of this 21st year of the annual letter of the Gates Foundation released this morning. And she's with us now. Melinda Gates, welcome to Axios Today. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. You wrote last summer around this issue of unpaid labor that women do, how much that's part of the problem, and that we're not collecting the right data to see how inequitable the pandemic has been with women bearing a larger share of that burden. Do you think we've gotten better at collecting the data on this? We've definitely gotten better. I was incredibly frustrated last summer because I felt that we weren't discussing this issue, and yet we were seeing it. We were seeing women struggling to take care of their young infants and their toddlers and keep up their job if they were lucky enough to have it online or go to work if they were an essential worker. And so I feel like finally the news media started to cover it more, and we started to collect the data. And now we have to look at the other side and say, what do we do about that? What, to your mind, is the clearest solution to solving this issue? Think of childcare as the backbone infrastructure of society and do two things. One is make sure there are good childcare options for families. And the second is put in a robust paid family medical leave policy. We are the only industrialized nation in the world that doesn't have paid family medical leave. You've also called on the Biden administration to appoint a caregiving czar. And there's this idea right now the pandemic is perhaps resulting in a society that creates two classes of workers, those who have caregiving responsibilities and those who don't. And I wonder if I can ask you, don't the majority of us have caregiving responsibilities? Like, I think even if we don't have children, we have parents or family members or friends that need caregiving. And I wonder how much of this is a problem of defining who accepts responsibility for caregiving instead. You're absolutely right. We all have caregiving responsibilities. But the truth is, in the United States, before the pandemic, Women did 90 minutes more a day than their husbands or their partner of some sort of caregiving, whether that was caring for the elderly. Sometimes she cares not only for her parents, but his parents. 
And today, I think we have this myth in the United States. We think, oh, well, lots of moms have paid family medical leave. No, 21% of moms in this country have paid family maternity leave. And who does that hurt the most? It hurts the single mom who has to get on the bus to take that essential worker job in society. And that is incredibly unjust. Melinda Gates is the founder of Pivotal Ventures and co-chair of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me today. We didn't have a chance to fit my entire conversation with Melinda Gates into today's show, but we put the whole thing online, including her reaction to Amanda Gorman's inaugural poem last week. You can visit our show notes or axios.com slash podcasts. That's all we've got for you today. You can always send us your thoughts by emailing podcasts at axios.com or message me directly on Twitter. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. 